Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Psychic Tapestry. I'm Ken Kessler, and I'm very excited, happy, pleased, and honored to have Tommy Starchild here. Hi, Tommy. Hello. Tommy is a um, spiritual counselor, a Reiki master, a psychic medium, probably the most metaphysically educated person I have ever met. Um, And... What else? And and not to see how much um, how many accolades I can throw at you, but um, <laughs> what else am I am I missing there? Because I know spiritual counselor covers a lot, um, but is there anything else in particular as far as as that kind of stuff um, that people should know? Well, spiritual counselor does cover um, quite a bit, and it's a good kind of catch-all. Um, I used to refer to myself um, where I, at my previous place that they called me um, their local witch doctor. Um, and that was at what we like to call the <laughs> punk rock day spa. <laughs> um, so I kind of do uh, what I refer to as a sort of modern day um, conjure work. So um, Southern folk magic in the American South, um, is known by many names, um, and conjure being one of them. Uh, and the function of the conjure worker uh, would be to do spiritual counseling, healing work, um, any sort of other kinds of workings, because uh, it was you know it's it's poor folk magic essentially. So where folks don't have the money to go to a lawyer or to a doctor or you know these different things for expensive services, they would go to a conjure worker. Uh, and, and get these services done. And, and so that's I essentially prob- kind of what I do and on, a, on a larger scale. Um, most callings uh, end up uh, around the counseling uh, area. I should um, throw out this caveat, and, and I, I usually do this anyway, that um, we had a call, um, it's probably been a couple of years now, from somebody who wanted to know, wanted to get a reading on whether they should stop taking their blood pressure medicine because they didn't feel well and right. felt that it was that. And that's not something that we're going to tell you to do. Um, right. you, need to talk, you need to talk to your doctor about that. Um, anytime medicine stuff comes up, I feel like I need to, to throw that out there because especially – right now when getting in to see your doctor might be a challenge getting to your pharmacy might even be a challenge. Um, right. That's it's just, and, and I get that you might call a show like this and ask that because you're having a tough time and we sound like friendly people who want to help you out. And we are, but 
we, we also don't like to get sued and we don't have we don't have the specific medical background to advise you on that kind of right. thing and it's true of legal stuff too we're not going to tell you to to do to sign any kind of legal documents to get married to get divorced to quit your job we're not going to tell you really to do anything right um this is about uh, advice and hope and healing and guidance. Um, but what you do with that is really up to you. Well, um, thank you. The, um, the phone lines are open, by the way, 347-838-9903 is the number. Um, we will be getting to taking some calls with Tommy a little bit later in the hour. Uh, but I wanted to throw that out now because there are some people already hanging on the line. Uh, I am opening the chat room, so if you're listening – on the Blog Talk Radio website, you can scroll down, pop in the chat room, and join us there. You can also connect through social media, facebook.com slash psychic tapestry, at psychic tapestry on Twitter. Um, phone is the best because you're probably going to have follow-up questions for Tommy. He may have them for you, and the back and forth of conversation is a lot easier on the phone. But just in case you're working or doing something that makes it difficult to call in, or you want the anonymity, or you just don't like the way your voice sounds on the radio, or something else we haven't thought of, whatever the case may be, that's okay, and that's why those other options are available to you. Um, again, the number three four seven eight three eight nine nine zero three. Now, I invited Tommy. Tommy and I used to work together at um, at a shop here in um, San Diego, is in La Mesa, called the Mystic Isle. And um, the owner decided to retire last year and closed it down. And Tommy has plans for something else that's in the works. And um, I thought this would be a great way to. Um, to revisit some of that and to um, and to help some people who can't get to a shop, whether it's closed or not, because, well, actually, most of them are closed right now. Um, so we're doing a psychic fair on this Saturday. And you can go to psychictapestry.com and click on psychic fair. And you can scroll down. There are seven readers on there and it's alphabetical. So Tommy Starchild is is. I think next to last of the seven. So just scroll down and you can see him and the different kinds of readings that, uh, that he does and the different ways that you can get them. And you can click on that and reserve your spot. And you should do that sooner rather than later because, because they're filling up. In fact, somebody earlier today, one of the readers is all full and can't take any more. So by Saturday, if you're waiting for Saturday, uh, that's pro that there's a good chance that will be too late and I'm not trying to be a used car salesman and get you quick, get it off the lot. But um, usually with a psychic fair, you walk in and you say who you want to get a reading from. And if they're free right then, boom, you go and you get your reading. And if they're not, you wait till they're done with the reading they're currently involved in and then you get your reading. And this one, because it's online, so many people are going ahead and clicking and reserving their spots that it's all filling up. So if, especially after listening to today's show, if you want to get a reading from Tommy, you should sooner rather than later is, is a good idea. Um, so there's the pitch and I'm going to try not to make this all about the pitch. Um, on the, uh, on the page, it, it talks, well, actually first, Tommy, how did you get, how did you get to your metaphysical path? 
That's a curious question. <laughs> um, I'll try to answer it as um, simply as possible, but it's not always that simple. So right. it started. I was I was raised Baptist, and, and so I was I was adopted. The pa- uh, pastor of my parents' church arranged for my adoption. So I always say that my family was was literally created in the church because it because it was, and and so we were we were very good Baptists and went to. Uh, Baptist private school, and I sang in the, the school choir and the church choir, all of that. And when I graduated high school in 86, I moved to Phoenix, uh, where I had a lot of my, my dad's family. And, and I was r- running away from winter in Michigan. Uh, and so I went to Phoenix. And along that, uh, during that time, uh, I also began to realize that I was probably not as heterosexual as uh, the church would have liked. Uh, and so I was coming out as a gay man, um, and everything was still very new. And I had a, a, a partner at that time that we were just dating, and they came from San Diego of all places. And he also used to play Dungeon and Dragons. And and my, I had some school friends that played it, but of course uh, we were not allowed to play it because you know it's it's demons and it's the devil. So here's this guy that, that played Dungeon and Dragons, and he started referring to me as a white witch because he would see odd things that would happen, things that I wasn't necessarily queuing in on, um, but things that he was queuing in on. And I just thought he was making, like, Dungeon and Dragons references until one day we were arguing, and an object literally came off the counter, flew across the room between our faces, hit the wall, and dropped to the floor behind a chair that was up on, on fairly tall legs and startled both of us. And, and we both looked uh, behind the chair, underneath the chair, and there was no object there. Uh, and whatever was on the counter, we never did find that object that went flying across the room. And he blamed me. We were the uh, only two people in the room. And when he blamed me, I couldn't argue against it. And that was the most concrete something was happening in my environment that I was getting um, blamed for that was out of the ordinary. And it still took a few years. I was probably 18, 19 at that time. And it wasn't until my early 20s that uh, a coworker, I was a hairdresser, and a coworker who happened to be psychic, one day she was back combing someone's fancy hair, and uh, she stopped and turned and told me I needed to uh, read a book. I said, okay, which one? She's like, I don't know, whatever falls off the shelf at you. But by this point, I had kind of figured out enough things to know if she say it falls off the, the shelf, that I was kind of going, like, literally falls off the shelf. And she's like, I don't know, maybe, and went back to back combing hair. So I went to this uh, metaphysical uh, bookstore that I used to actually spend a lot of time in but had never purchased anything. And I walked around different sections uh, as they have, you know, they marked off different um, subject matters uh, and just kind of waited for something to fall off the shelf at me. And this at this time was in 1991. And I got to the section on Wicca and, and earth magic and those things. And something there got my attention. And I'm still waiting for something to fall off the shelf. That never did happen, which would have been awesome. But I did get drawn to a particular book. And then my head intellectually drew me to another particular book. And, and so this would happen, this happened frequently at that time. But because she said, whatever jumps out at you, 
uh, is the one to go with, I decided that I would go with what my intuition seemed to draw me to as opposed to what my uh, intellect was saying. Like I would look at a nice cover, I would read the back that sounded like it might be interesting. Uh, but I would put those down and I would take the one that for some reason I would get drawn to. And it was something, I think, believe it was called um, Earth Power or something like that. It was about Earth Magic. And that's kind of what kicked things off. And and so things got started around 91. And in 92, I really started journaling uh, and and going through a period of, of really a lot of unlearning. Unlearning the world as I learned to understand it based on the way the church uh, had uh, described it. And reawakening to what was my reality as a young child, because I had prophetic dreams as a kid. Um, I would see spirits and things and uh, would have all these um, non-Baptist reality, (laughs) for lack of a better way to describe it, um, experience with the real world. Uh, But the church was saying that these experiences don't really happen, but I was actually having them. And so I had this quandary. As, as a young child, and I learned to accept um, the world the way the church was saying it. And so when I started um, reading these books and started meditating and opening up to um, kind of the way things were for me, um, it was unlearning those things that had blocked me from that awareness and being able to open up uh, and be able to see what I used to be able to see as a young child. And it was during one of those uh, days where I'm sitting in a big um, big like lazy boy chair with books in my lap and my journal and reading and journaling and I look up in the living room and I see someone standing I'm like oh it's you and I go back and I stop I look back up and Jesus was standing in my living room wow yeah <laughs> I looked away I looked back and there he was again and I looked away and I looked back and he was still there and now I had remembered because I was a very good Christian kid and, and I was a very good, um, I was well-studied, uh, well-studied in Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and, and so I knew that the church had always talked about having this type of relationship with Jesus where he has physical presence in your life. And so it was from that point that I realized if this is the material, if this is the, the method by which I could have a, a relationship with Jesus in the way the church always described, then how could I be going down the wrong path? And, and so I just started letting spirit drive me from there. And it wasn't until 98, because I figured, you know, if, if I'm going to mislead, be misled, I'll mislead myself. So I did a lot of study on my own. But in 98, I kind of plateaued, and that's uh, when I found a teacher and, and began to study a formal tradition, uh, an American tradition of witchcraft. Uh, and I was also had entered recovery in 96 and had a sponsor who practiced Zen Buddhism. So recovery, Zen Buddhism, and Anderson Ferry, that, that uh, American witchcraft tradition I was studying, became the foundation of how I do life today. So it was a big turning point in 96 as I moved away in my late 20s. My, my first Saturn return, it was, I was really spot on. I completely destroyed my life, crashed it down because there wasn't much worth saving, and began um, to, to pull things together and get into alignment with self and figure out what was motivating how I do life. Um, recovery illuminated that it was fear-based. 
Um, and so in my spiritual journey, I wanted to know what was beneath the, the fear. And that got me into um, a, a spiritual journey around the ego self and authentic self. And those became the very foundational principles uh, of my practice, how I work with folks, how I counsel folks. And so all those influences come into play. And then in, in 2002, um, I went to college and got a bachelor's degree in human services with special emphasis on counseling. And so I used uh, an extensive psych background that I'd had previously, but then really uh, uh, dove deep into it in college and, and pulled that into uh, how I then uh, work with folks and how I, um, how I do my life. Cause I figure if I'm not doing it in my life, then it, there's no point in me um, suggesting or, or working with other folks and encouraging them to do things that if, if I myself am not going to do it. So I look at spiritual practice and, and my practice, if it's not helping my life, if my life isn't getting, if it's not moving forward, I was going to say better, but that's kind of a value judgment. If it's not moving forward, if there's not movement and activity, then uh, why bother? And, and maybe throw out and try something new. Was there, this is almost seems like too obvious, but was there a, a point or points where as this started to open for you that you worried that you were losing your mind all the time because <laughs> the other thing uh where i said the story is, is complicated is i was i was born with what i refer to now as my fairy companions um they they go by the name of sims it was a a psychic years ago um probably around um maybe 92, 93 in Phoenix that gave me a name. She's like, do you believe in spirits? I'm like, what are they doing? What are they, they're messing up. Like they're, they're, they're acting up. They're doing something. What are they doing? And she writes down a name and she looks at it and she's like, Sims. They said you could refer to them as Sims. And then she went back on with other stuff in her reading. Up to that point, I had just started working with them a little bit, um, bringing them into my reality, but I called them my entourage. But they've been with me all my life, for as far back as I can remember, um, and, and I've, I've checked with some, some life circumstances and kind of confirmed some things. Uh, and then when I really began to work with them, I, I now had a, a name to, uh, to have a more formal reference, and really began to listen. And when I began to listen and I began to hear things and get information and, and uh, wisdom, things, um, you know, wise pieces uh, of knowledge that were not formulated in my own head. Uh, and that's when, yeah, it became very easy to go, uh, um, am I crazy? <laughs> Is this normal? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of my life that normal fit. Um, and it wasn't until, see, I think 2009, possibly, I started working with uh, uh, who became a very dear friend uh, and author. His name's Orion Foxwood, who has uh, also a, a fairy companion, his, his fairy wife, the, uh, Bree. And so we spent some time chatting, and I was like, um, yeah, I wanted to know more from someone that had a relationship like this, and then also to get feedback. And that's when I really began to understand on a deeper level what this relationship was about. Um, and what the point and purpose is, that I'm not crazy, or at least he was able to validate based on his 
um, knowledge and inability to diagnose. <laughs> um, he did not perceive me to be crazy. Um, but there's always that, those points in time. And, and so I, I tend to check myself, especially when you talk about hearing voices. Uh, I, I tend to check myself. I listen. Um, there's a signature voice that, that I recognize as Sims. There's a signature voice that I recognize that's my mother when she's speaking to me or my father, for example. And so I listen to those voices and I like, who is that speaking? And I also listen to, is, is the information useful? Is it useful? Is it helpful? Uh, and these are sort of measuring sticks um, that I like to use um, because, sure, there are clinical situations where individuals may have um, some uh, mental health diagnosis where that involves a symptom of hearing voices. And to this day, um, based on my experience, it's hard for me to delineate um, the difference, with the exception of having had a cousin um, who's, who's now since passed away, unfortunately, um, who was schizophrenic. And so I got to learn at an early age what um, his experience was kind of like. And, and th these voices were not helpful. These, these voices uh, were mean. Um, these voices uh, were, were mean and demeaning to him. They would tell him to do uh, mean things to other people. And, and so that's kind of where I look at um, a dividing line um, as, as an internal assessment. Uh, and then I have teachers and mentors um, that I work with that I go to and, and talk about things to make sure that I'm not relying on myself as my own resource. There's a, a process um, uh, that is referred to as unsubstantiated personal gnosis, meaning uh, wisdom or to, you know, gnosis is to know so gnosis knowledge that sort of arise, but it's unsubstantiated, meaning it hasn't been um, validated through maybe research or other um, historical materials or through mentors and things, but just knowledge that seems to arise. And, and so that is a process. It's certainly a process that mystics of old engaged with, and I think mystics in present day um, still have that opportunity. And so when... Um, gnosis arrives when, when knowledge arrives. Um, I want to sit with that. I want to I meditate with it. I want to roll those around in my head, but then I also want to talk them out uh, with mentors and things and really see if, these, um, if there's substance. Does it hold water? Um, is it an imprint of something, but I don't quite have all the pieces and it needs to get worked out some more? So there's a lot to the am I crazy <laughs> question <laughs> that goes through my head a lot. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that you, that you shared all of that because um, one of the things we've been talking about, I've been doing a lot of extra shows with um, all of the people who've been kind enough to be part of our psychic fair and talking about how everybody's story is different and mm -hmm. the way everyone approaches whatever metaphysical um, a gift, ability, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever, however they approach it is also different. The way they read is different. The way they get messages, um, information, um, what tools to use, everybody's is different. And I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that because I'm sure 
there are people out there who are listening now or who are going to be listening to this podcast later who who find some similarities. Their story is not going to be the, exactly the same, of course, uh-huh. but there are going to be things that they go, maybe, maybe I'm not losing my mind, that I'm not the only one. Some of this happens. And I think that's so important because so much of this, when I think that I think that all of us are capable of of finding our path and um, connecting with spirit, connecting with angels, connecting with metaphysical elements and using tools. Um, everyone, some are going to be better than others. Uh, just like some people can paint better than others and some people can play basketball better than others and some people can sing better than others. It, it, it's the same kind of thing, but I think everybody can, can to some, to some degree or other can, can do a lot of these things. And I think hearing about it, that, that, you know, that it's, it's not just a simple thing that, that, you were born and voila, you're amazing. You have these superpowers and you know how to use them and everything. It, it's not like that. You, maybe you have an inkling, maybe you get a nudge, but there's reading and there's work and learning right. and practice to be able to get to a point where, where you can, you can just try and make sense of it for yourself, whether or not you're going to throw out your shingle and do readings for somebody, um, for, for others, or you're just going to use it to, to, to better understand yourself, to help you move along your path, to enrich your life. That's okay to do that, by the way. Right. You know, if, if you feel like, and, and so many people call the show and they, and, they're, they're either taking classes or they feel like they want to, but they're not sure that they want to be uh, somebody who does their own podcast and is doing readings or is working in a shop or whatever. And, and that's okay. You don't have to do that. It's okay to, to, to use this to, to improve and, and your life to help you along your path. That all is okay. There's there's many examples of of folks that um, take their gifts and and use them in a variety of different ways. That doesn't involve um, doing readings or spiritual counseling in a store, doing a podcast, or even being um, a, a public healer or or witch or whatever term folks um, use. The thing about that though is we don't see those people. <laughs> Because right. they're not doing this work on, on a public level. It might simply be the, the gardener that lives next door to you. And, and you, maybe you see that their, um, their gardening looks a little, their technique looks a little unfamiliar to you. <laughs> um, my friend, uh, again, Orion Foxwood, his neighbor, uh, would take her, her Holy Bible out to her garden and she would hold it over the plants, or the, the young little seedlings, and she would tap the Bible, tap the top over each, each plant. And, and so he asked, you know, what she, and she was tapping with the blessings of the word of God to, to grow her garden. Uh, and so that's something that nobody would have noticed um, had they <laughs> not been a neighbor. Uh, and clearly uh, she was connecting with some, some folk magic on, on how, she gardens. So there was lots of different ways that people incorporate this into their daily life. And for me, 
Um, what's most important, because I, I talk, I consider myself a witch. I talk about using magic and these things. Um, but the important part about that is it, it becomes how I do my daily life, how I stir my tea, how I, I get up in the morning and focus my day. Uh, and it's very practical things. It's not so formal uh, per se. I mean, I have my, my formal times, but it's not about like getting up and going to church on, on Sunday. Uh, and then I do my religious thing on, you know, on a Sunday. And then I, throughout the week, I go about my business and back to church on Sunday. And so there are practices of, of folk magic where they may have holidays and different times of the year um, that are more formal. Um, sometimes I engage in those, but really for me, it's about how do I wake up in the morning, move through my day, and how do I go to sleep at night? And it, someone may not even notice um, the things that I do um, because they, I've incorporated them in how I um, do my day, how I live my life. Um, and that's how folks that that may feel like they've got something going on that they don't know what it is and they kind of feel like they, there may be a bit of a gift that's waking up. Um, there's lots of ways that you can incorporate it. The important part is that it enriches your life and that it grows you into a deeper relationship with self on an authentic level. So important. So important. And and I would only add that that's okay. You don't yes. have to you don't have to it doesn't need to be a burden. It doesn't have to be something that okay, well now I've got to learn how to do this so that I can I can help others. It, it, it's very, helping others is a great thing, but you matter too. And helping yourself uh-huh. is important as well. And, you know, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the long running jokes for psychics is that, that people like to use on psychics rather is if you're so good, why don't you win the lottery? And, you know, there's a difference <laughs> between helping yourself and divining what the mega millions numbers are going to be. Um, huge difference there. But, right. but in, you but know, we, we still use magic to get a house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't win the lottery to get the house. Um, that would have, that would have um, shifted the focus. The focus had to be clear. Uh, what did we need? What was our vision? And how do we bring that into our, our present reality? I'm not good with lotto numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have yet, I have yet to meet this. And I'm sure if there was a psychic that was good at that, they would really keep that to themselves. If they're, if they're, yeah. if they're smart, <laughs> they would keep that to themselves, but it's, but, but it's okay to, um, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to still be, searching and still be learning. Um, it's, it's, it's not just okay. It's good to do that. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit um, to make sure that we get to, to talk about this. Um, on the uh, Psychic Fair page on PsychicTapestry.com, each, each of the, the readers on there, it has a little bit about what their what readings, what kind of readings they're going to be doing. And for you, um, because yours is, is everybody does it differently. So I, mm-hmm. I just want to talk about a little of this. And the first thing um, on yours, it says a combination of talking stones. What are talking stones? 
Yep, that's an awesome question. <laughs> Talking Stones is a divination tool um, that I've been working with for over 20 years. I actually originally got the symbols that I put on the stones out of a Scott Cunningham book. And in the book, it was a simple divination tool for looking like uh, it, it said about two weeks ahead. Uh, and originally, I had found uh, hand-picked some tiny uh, little uh, river rocks and uh, and put the symbols on them. Um, unfortunately, that original set is not with me anymore. Um, but I did make uh, I did a rush and made a second set. That one actually never really worked well because I didn't do it the way I originally did. So the set that I work with now, I did it the way I originally did, which was hand-pick the stones. And then I sat with each stone and had the symbol, and I looked for which stone spoke with the same language that matched the sim- to one of the symbols. And so then I matched the symbol to the stone that was speaking the same thing and put the symbol on the stones. Some of the symbols look like rune-type symbols. Some of them are not. Um, I forget actually what I used to call them. I was at a shaman gathering and I was doing some readings for folks and as someone was um, getting up to leave and somebody else was sitting down and I went to introduce the stones because most people haven't seen this, this tool before. And I went to say what I used to call them and I can't for the life of me remember what that was. And they wanted to be called talking stones. So I couldn't get the words out of my mouth of what I used to say. And all I could, all I could speak was talking stones. Like clearly they want to be called talking stones. So I've been calling them talking stones ever since. Um, And for me, by them giving me a name uh, for what they want to be, how they want to be referred to as a tool also removes them that much further from the original source from where I I, um, got the symbols from. And I've used them for so many years that they, that, um, they speak to me on a level that's much greater than like a, a two-week glimpse of the future. They they really open up um, messages within me. What I often say is my tools give me the language for what I'm already picking up. And so I'm picking up information, but I tend not to cue in on it because that could be crazy-making. Um, and so I tend not to cue in on it. Um, a reading gives me the forum by which to, to turn my awareness um, to that information from that person. But then the tools help me get started uh, into that session um, and, and give me the language. Because a lot of what I pick up is on a perception level, meaning I perceive things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it comes with a word or an image or something that can be described or oftentimes uh, something that, that's not even easy to convey in language because I get a feeling and now I've got to source out how to put language around that. So the tools help to give me the language for that. I probably should have gone ahead and read the entire description. Um, A combination of talking stones, tarot, mediumship, if that comes up and conjure cards. Um, With the talking stones, how does it, um, and I'm sure it's not the same for for every person that gets a reading, but is it is it one stone in particular that you that you draw like a card, or is, do you use those in a different way? I use them in, in a different way. So I have a cloth. Um, the cloth has some writings on it, different um, areas. 
Um, and the cloth is also additional language that speaks with the stones. That's something within the last maybe five, eight years I've been using this cloth. Um, and the stones, there's 12 of them. Uh, and they're in a box, and so uh, I shake those up and I throw them, uh, all 12, same time I drop them from the box onto the cloth. And then I read them in relationship to which ones are, are turned up. Are there any patterns that seem to be um, uh, kind of coming out to me, like stones touching each other, stacked on top of each other, anything like that, um, where they're clustering, um, where they're falling in relation to the different areas and different language on the cloth. Um, and I begin to look for the story. So these are a bunch of subjects and bits of information and how they're strung together begins to make a story. So it's much like those... Um, the magnetic words for your refrigerator, you get the, um, you know, a box <laughs> yeah. of little tiny words and stuff, and you can string them together. Um, that actually can be utilized as a divination tool if you just let your hands move across different words and, and pull sentences together and then read it when it's done. Uh, it's a way in which the subconscious is looking out for tools outside of self to then communicate to, to ourselves on a conscious level. So in essence, these are my magnetic words on a refrigerator that <laughs> I'm looking to to find the sentences that my subconscious is already um, reading. And now I get to see it so my conscious mind can become aware of, of what my subconscious has has picked up on. So how do the tarot cards work into into this? I always start with the stones. Um, that's, that's my go-to. I, I have deep trust in those, and that begins to flesh out the story. And then I actually uh, then go to my, my conjure cards, which um, they're, they're titled Old Style Conjure. Um, it's the name of the deck. And a friend of mine, uh, Star Cassis, she made these, and she's a, a conjure woman from Kentucky originally that reads regular deck of playing cards. And so what she's done on these cards is essentially written on them, how she reads them. And so I use those to begin to flesh the story out that I've already been getting from the stones. And so oftentimes those cards, they're very direct because she's just written on them, very direct how she reads them. And that begins to, to, to build a, a kind of a succinct story. Tarot for me is more esoteric. So tarot is generally where I then go as, as sort of my third um, part of, of the reading is then after I've began to pull this story together and, and kind of pinpoint things with the, the conjure cards, then I tend to go more esoteric and pull it back out onto a, a, a more spiritual level, a more esoteric level with the tarot cards. Now, I may not read tarot cards the way other readers do, um, Someone years ago told me I already knew how to read them, and I decided that I was going to trust her um, and just allowed my own spirit um, to guide me on how to, to read the cards um, and worked with them for many, many years. And, and so they begin to tell me, um, again, like uh, bits more of information. So I start looking at the story of now, with the stones, it's a kind of a diagnostic tool diagnosing what's going on right here, right now. And in that story of now, pinpointing some things using the conjure cards and then bringing it back out in a little bit more of 
not maybe not quite a macrocosm, but, but beginning to bring it out, looking at what are the, the, the greater influences that are going on that influenced how we got to this point right here, right now, where we're sitting in front of the client and the story where they're at, looking at the patterns that then brought to this place. And if these patterns continue, it shows a direction that things may be going. And it helps, what I like to say is illuminate the roadmap a little bit uh, broader of a perspective than what the client originally was aware of. And as you mentioned earlier, we, you know, we don't diagnose, we don't prescribe, we're not um, licensed and qualified to do those things. But I also don't tell people what to do um, because that takes their power away. And my service, um, if anything, it's, it's about creating safe space for healing to happen. So it's not that I do the healing, but it's uh, through the illumination of the story and getting a bigger picture and helping just maybe see beyond um, the perspectives that the client has been able to see gives them a broader idea of what is the roadmap of the direction that they're moving in, what are some potential pitfalls, and what are some redirections or maybe shortcuts or, or what have you that they could then um, move their life and, and their path through. Now, if they want to go down a road that has a pitfall, that's fine. That's not up to me to decide. I just lay it out there and say, here's, here's the things you get to decide where you want to go with it. And as far as um, mediumship goes in your reading, it, uh, you had told me mediumship, if that comes up, it sounds to me like that's kind of like one more tool, uh, almost on par with the tarot cards. Right. Um, I always say if that comes up, because generally when people think of mediumship, they often um, understand it to be connecting with um, uh, spirits uh, of their, their loved ones who have passed on. And those, sometimes that does come up in a reading. Someone might show up um, and, and have a, uh, a, an impactful presence <laughs> um, and, and, and want to offer information um, in the reading. Um, but because I also do all of my service with my fairy companion Sims, I'm actually doing a bit of a mediumship service in any way. I'm working with a non-physical being um, that is relaying information to me as well as the tools that are in front of me. So it really does get woven in on some level, um, but it's not always going to be at every reading someone's ancestor is going to pop up and have something to say. Right. Um, for uh, the purposes of tonight, um, we could probably squeeze in a call or two. Um, but for doing like a mini reading to sort of a, a sample sure. of what a reading with you is like, um, what I, obviously you can't squeeze all that into, you know, the few minutes that we have. Um, so what would, what would you be able to do for a caller now versus a, a reading that you would be able to do on the psychic fair on Saturday? Well, I could do a, a quick throw with the stone. So if anyone's ever heard of bone readings, um, it's an old style folk practice of divination. Essentially my stones are my bones. I read them like, like uh, a bone reader reads bones. And what I can do is just a real quick, because normally um, not every stone is going to turn face up. And I start with right. those. And then as the reading unfolds and I began to turn other stones that were face down, 
face up to begin uh, fleshing out the story. But here for a mini reading, I could just glance at the ones that are face up and kind of get uh, a quick snap uh, of uh, a perspective of what's going on. Okay. Um, our number is 347-838-9903. And let's grab a call or two. Okay. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for hanging on. What's your first name? Hi, if you're calling from area code 856, this is you. Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. What's your first name? It's Rosemary. How are you guys doing? Hi, Rosemary. Where are you calling from? Uh, New Jersey. And how can Tommy help you tonight? Whatever you can pick up. <laughs> I don't want my plate. It seems like I'm not depressed, like stressed out, and nothing's happening. The right way I know the corona and all that happy stuff is in the way. So whatever you guys can pick up that's positive coming in for me anytime soon. Okay. And your name again? It's Rose Maria. Rose Maria. Okay, Rose Maria. One moment. Okay. Well, it certainly looks like um, you're in, in a depressive state. Um, not surprising that you mentioned, you know, the corona that a lot of people are right now. The stone for female influence, is what, which is you in your reading, uh, on one side is there's gossip, negative, negativity, slander. So it's general negative influence. And a stone that was sitting on top of it was war, conflict, strife. So definitely right now, um, with everything that's going on and, and struggles that you're dealing with, um, self-care is going to be really important. So what do you do on a daily basis that's just for you? Uh, sometimes I do meditation or sea salt bath or hot bath, stuff like okay. that. When you do a sea salt bath or a hot bath, do you get total private time or do you get interrupted with kids? Uh, sometimes I get interrupted, but most of the time it's <laughs> private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I understand that that could be the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Now, in your in your love road, there's male influence, but there's also disordered thoughts and confusion, which is um, lack of clarity, uh, foggy-headed, that kind of thing. Are you in a relationship? Uh, I don't even know. Probably yes. <laughs> he hit that on the spot because, uh, like, I get the positive and I remember the positive stuff, and then sometimes the negative now is less yeah. than positive. If that makes sense. It's hard to explain. Yeah, it you know what I mean? Well, well, it's the disordered thoughts and confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's why I was going back to you, um, because the important part right now is really not focusing on other people. It's about focusing on yourself and your own well-being. So it's going to be um, a really good idea to do something on a daily basis that its sole purpose is to do something joyful for yourself. We can get bogged down with everything that's going on 
and we can forget that we need to set our intent for the day. Do you drink tea or coffee in the morning? I did drink coffee in the morning. I stopped, drink? but I drink it like later on, yeah. Okay. Well, when you have that, that first cup, your job is to enjoy the heck out of that coffee. Okay. Joy is experiential. So we can't just try to sink ourselves into joy. We want to... We have to experience it, and then we find ourselves in a joyful place. Now, coffee and, and tea have caffeine, so caffeine's a mood enhancer. And we're, so it's physiologically, it's going to enhance our mood. Psychologically, we know that it's uh, going to enhance our mood. It's going to wake us up, so we start to feel a little better. And when you apply that focused intent on joy, meaning, that you, ooh, this is good coffee, ooh, this is good coffee, experience joy and know that you're setting that for your intent for the day. Even if you're busy and that's the only time you get during that one cup of coffee, give yourself that space. It'll give kind of a little bit of a a burst of sunlight in an otherwise cloudy day. Cool. All right? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, three four seven eight three eight nine nine zero three. Marie in the chat room is listening tonight in Arizona, and this is um, she says if one can already feel the presence of a past loved one, as well as specifics to their cooking, and that she can smell things that they used to cook, um, mm-hmm. what would be a good exercise to further connect with them? Um, that's actually a wonderful question. Um, we've kind of lost in Western culture uh, a uh, cultural ancestor reverence. Um, and so we've kind of lost that in, in Western culture. Other, some other cultures have retained that. So it's super simple because it's your loved one and you had a physical relationship with them when they were alive then no one can tell you the right and wrong ways to communicate with them and to relate to them. So first things first, give them a space in your house. Now, I'm not talking about their own room. Uh, it can be just uh, maybe a, a small spot on a, you know, the corner of a table or something. But give them a spot and designate that area for them. And it can be as simple as placing a bowl of water and a white candle. Now, the water is the medium by which the soul rides. Candle flame feeds the spirit. So these are things that help the, the spirit of, of that uh, loved one to arrive and to, to be fed when they arrive. And that can also be a place that you go to and maybe offer them a cup of coffee, um, maybe sit down and, and have um, a, a beverage with them if, if some ancestors were um, drinkers, so maybe a shot of whiskey or something, uh, whatever was kind of their favorite beverage or maybe their favorite food or some candies. Um, these are things that, that we enjoyed when we were alive. So they still enjoy them and you could set them there and sit and have a conversation. What we did in the South was uh, we called Vizn. I know that, that probably doesn't translate well over a radio. Vizn is short, shortening that word called visiting. Um, but we'd go visiting relatives' house, and we would arrive usually with a cup of iced tea in hand. But they'd still ask, do you want some coffee? They're going to put on a pot of coffee regardless. 
and you sit down and have a cup of coffee around the kitchen table or dining room table and chat. And that's the simplest way to connect with those um, ancestors, those loved ones that have passed on, especially when they're making their presence known as strong as feeling or smelling those, those uh, favorite foods that they cook. You know they're there, so just give them a space and then start talking to them out loud. She says, I've got that space already. The water seemed to vanish quickly. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> um, it, it might seem odd, but spirit will take the gifts that we offer. Um, and so ask them, um, they seem to be thirsty. Is there something else that they might like enjoy more than just water? <laughs> she says, I just refilled, LOL. <laughs> and the reason I say talk out loud is because we can spend a lot of time chattering in our head and talking to to God or talking to an ancestor in our head. Um, And then when we might hear replies, we're hearing it in our head. And so we might just think it's our own imagination, which is fine in and of itself. But when we talk out loud, what we're doing is we're beginning to make this more and more real on a multi-sensory level. And it is my um, opinion, it is my experience, that when people pass on, just like science says, energy does not cease to exist and our body functions on an energetic level. There's energy that's measurable. So when we pass, energy, according to science, does not cease to exist. So it goes somewhere. And for me, that somewhere is what I would refer to as across the veil, wherever that might be. But that's not a different place. It's actually right here. It's like... um, On the other side of the veil, we appear to them as ghosts as they appear to us as ghosts on this side. It's just not a physical realm. And they're right here. And our ancestors and our loved ones are the closest to us because their wisdom wrote our DNA. So they're the closest to us. So when we speak out loud, we get to hear it through our own ears, our own voice through our own ears. And we begin to make this very real in the physical world. And then when that inspiration arrives, whether it comes from within us or we hear it on the wind or however that might show up, then it really begins to solidify these relationships. And it helps bond with those that have passed on. And it really helps working with grief also uh, and, and grieving those that have passed on where we can reach out and know that they're here and have an experience with them. But it, does, it is a different experience because we're used to the physical experience that we've had and it's just changed forms now maria i hope that helps um thank you for thanks for listening um i was going to grab another call we've only got like five minutes left i don't know if that's if that's really enough time um what do you think we can give it a shot okay let's give it a shot uh but i'm not going to give out the phone number again because obviously um, hi, thanks for hanging on. What's your first name? Nathaniel. Hi, Nathaniel. Where are you calling from? California. And how can Tommy help you tonight? I want to see if he could pick a card or do I need a question? Or... Okay. Uh, did you have uh, an area of interest? Uh, you know, do you see me moving soon? I, just anything coming through with spirit? Uh, see a girlfriend or anything? or Okay, one moment. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, under stop, look, listen. Just open your eyes, open your ears, take the blinders off. There are things going on around you that you're not paying attention to. It's a stone for home stability structure, so it sense of feeling rooted, stable, and grounded. But it was sitting on top of the stone for emotional love. Now, emotional love was face down, but because that you uh, asked about potentially moving, about relationship possibility. And here with stop, look, listen, those are two curious stones from your question to end up in that location. And so there may be some things that are underway for you. If you're thinking about um, moving, now might be a good time to start um, formulating some ideas. There are certainly some things that are at play around you that maybe you're not quite um, cued in on yet, um, but turning your awareness to those may begin to reveal a direction. And also in moving in that direction will uh, move you into new locations that can expose you to different people, different opportunities that could also put you in the right place to, uh, to potentially meet somebody for a relationship or at least begin to, to move you into a place where you're more open to receive a relationship. Uh, Nathaniel, I hope that helps. Um, I need to, to jump in here, but um, Blog Talk Radio will cut us off whether we're ready or not. So um, Tommy is going to be part of our psychic fair this weekend. So uh, if you couldn't get through or we didn't get to you, um, please go to psychictapestry.com, click on psychic fair and scroll down to Tommy and you can book your reading there for him um, this Saturday. Tommy, thanks so much for giving up part of your Thursday for us. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks everybody for listening, uh, for hanging out in the chat room and for calling in and um, stay safe. Psychic fair is Saturday. That's the last time I'll mention that, I promise. Okay. Have a great week and talk to you next time. Take care. Ha, 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 ha.